You're listening to the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast with Joris Brion. Hey, this is Joris of the E-Commerce Excellence Podcast, and today I'm really excited to talk to Nathan Hirsch. Uh, Nathan is a 30-year-old, 10-year entrepreneur already, and um, he's an expert in remote hiring and in e-commerce. Um, he started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room, and he has sold over 30 million online. And uh, now he's a co-founder and CEO of FreeUp.com. FreeUp, that's free with three E's, um, a marketplace that connects businesses with pre-vetted virtual assistants, with freelancers and agencies, uh, specifically for e-commerce, digital marketing, and uh, much more. He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire, and he speaks at a lot of live events about online hiring tactics. So uh, yeah, Nathan, welcome to the podcast. I'm uh, honored to have you here, actually. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Cool. Um, yeah, just to start off, I, I, I'd love for you to tell everybody a bit about your background, where you come from in your career, so that they can understand a little bit more about you. How did you get started in e-commerce, and how did you evolve uh, over the years to free up? Yeah, so I I started a, a pretty large Amazon business out of my college dorm room. I mean, I I always knew that I wasn't going to be happy working for other people, so I started experimenting and um, I tried textbooks. I sold on Amazon a little bit. Actually, got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to to knock it off. But this was back in two thousand eight. No one really knew what Amazon was, so I thought it was mm. so cool I could have this. Amazon storefront. I just had to figure out what to sell besides books. So I started to experiment with sporting equipment and video games and computers, typical college guy stuff. And, sure. and I just failed over and over and over. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and, and found the remote hiring industry that my business really took off. So if you can imagine me as a, a broke college kid, <laughs> a selling a broke college guy selling baby products on Amazon, that was me. And this business started to scale. I met with an accountant and, and the first question he asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged them off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. They're going to hurt my business. And he just laughed in my face and said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Well, sure enough, my first busy season comes around the fourth quarter in e-commerce, which is pretty crazy. And I was not prepared. It was just me and I get destroyed. I'm working 20 hours a day. My social life plummets. My grades go down. And I think to myself, man, I, I can never let this happen again. I need to start hiring. So I post a job on Facebook and this guy in my business law class says, I need a job. I say, you know what? You're hired. And he ends up being an amazing hire. He's hardworking. He's smart. He brings a lot to the table. And I, there I am thinking, man, this hiring thing is easy. You post a job, someone shows up, it, it makes your, your job easier. And <laughs> I just proceed to make bad hire after bad hire after <laughs> bad hire. And really learning a lot about the hiring industry, um, realizing that it's tough as a 20, 21 year old to hire people in person. So I turned to the remote hiring world and I, I got pretty good at it. The Upworks and the Fiverr, some people I still have today, but I always just wanted something faster. I hated posting a job and, and getting 50 people to apply and interviewing them one by one. So three years ago, I started my own platform, FreeUp, where we get thousands of applicants every week. We vet them for skill, attitude, communication. Top 1% get on our platform. And then we make them available to our clients quickly whenever they need them. And on the back end, 24-7 support in case they have even the smallest issue and a no turnover guarantee. If, if someone quits for any reason, 
we cover replacement costs and get them a new person right away. So that's really what we're all about, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and the protection. And and that's kind of how I went from a broke college kid to starting an Amazon business to eventually building a freelancer marketplace. Wow, that's a pretty cool. And it's actually, uh, I've been using FreeUp myself, and it's it's pretty amazing, uh, I must say. It's, it's so different than any other platform, platforms, but maybe you're the best one to say why it's so different. I mean, I've, I've hired before on, on, on Upwork, Fiverr, well, the usual suspects, but there's no comparison to FreeUp. And, and how would you say what, what the big difference is? The big difference between like the Upworks and the Fivers? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really the four things I mentioned, the pre-vetting. I mean, anyone mm-hmm. can go on Upwork and post a job um, with us or anyone can go on Upwork and offer a service. With us, we only accept one out of 100 applicants um, to get on our platform. Then on the back yeah. end, I would put our customer service against the anyone. No one else has a no turnover guarantee where if someone quits, we cover replacement costs. But for me, the main thing is that point number two, where you don't have to browse through all these applicants you just right. submit a request and we fill it. Usually within a business day, we have clients who have access, who get started within hours or minutes of putting in a request. And, and that's what it is for me. As a business owner, time is your asset. And, and the average business owner doesn't have weeks and weeks to waste trying to find the right person. Absolutely. And I, I, I think uh, what you mentioned before, you made a lot of bad hires yourself uh, starting out. And uh, I, I think that's something a, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs can, can recognize. Uh, they probably made a few bad hires before and it's a, uh, yeah, it's comforting to, to know that you vet the candidates and, and, and they don't have to go over uh, thousands of candidates there. Um, what, what does that uh, vetting process actually, actually looks look, looks like for the freelancers? Yeah, so we vet them for skill, attitude, and communication. I, I learned a long time ago <laughs> that when you just vet people for for skill, um, you a lot of times you get burned. People that might have five years of experience, but skill is only part of the equation. So mm. for skill, we look for we don't need everyone to be a ten out of ten. You can be a five out of ten. You can be a three out of ten. As long as you're honest about what you can and cannot do, that's what we care about. Um, mm. And for attitude, we do one-on-one interviews. We want people who are passionate about what they do. They're not just in it for the paycheck. Uh, people who don't get aggressive that something doesn't go their way. So we put them through a skill test, we do the one-on-one interviews, and then we have 15 pages of communication best practices that they have to memorize and get tested on. Communication is the core of our platform. It's one of the reasons that people have bad hiring experiences because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if, if they have a great attitude or a great skill. If <laughs> if we can't communicate with them, nothing else matters. So for me, we're looking for that trifecta of skill, attitude, communication. And once they're on the platform, we hold people to these initial expectations and we're quick to remove people that don't that show us that they don't have the skill they say they do, they don't have the attitude um, that we want, or they don't have communication skills. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And and do you only work with uh, freelancers from certain countries? No, I mean, right now the platform, well, first of all, we get 3,000 applicants a week from all over the world and we, we accept people from all over. Right now the platform is about 40% US, 40% Philippines and, and 20% scattered. That's not mm-hmm. necessarily by design. That's kind of where we are now, but we accept people from all over the world. Okay, cool. So you you mentioned that before that the first time when someone mentioned to you like you you should hire someone you laughed at them and then what you found out the hard way that you should have hired someone earlier. But when is according to you when is the right time to start hiring for your business? 
Yeah. So you have to remember, you're never going to get it exactly right. You're either going to mm-hmm. hire too early or a little too late. And I've learned that it's a, it's better to hire a little bit early than it is too late. So what I like to do is I like to look at the numbers. I'll go in and I'll say, how much money did I make last month? And then I'll say, mm-hmm. how aggressive do I want to be? If I want to be really aggressive, maybe I'm investing 40 to 60% of my profits back into my business. If I want to be more conservative, we're all in a different place in our life and in our, in our business. Maybe it's 10 to 30%, but figure out what that number is. And you can always tweak it month over month. Maybe you go up 5% or down 10%, but figure out what that number is and then use that money to invest it back into your business, maybe a little bit earlier than you think you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And how do you decide what kind of person you should hire first? Because I, I know that's a, something a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Should they hire a virtual assistant first or should they hire someone who can take big chunks out of, of their daily work and, and with a lot more responsibility? Yeah, so I I like to break it up into three levels, basic, mid, and expert. So basic level freelancers, non-US, five to 10 bucks an hour, they're followers. They're there to follow your system, your processes. They're there to help you get hours back in your day. Then you've got the the mid-level people, the specialists, the graph designers, the bookkeepers, the writers. They're there to do projects at a high level. You're not really teaching them. They're not consulting with you either. They're doers. And then you've got Mm -hmm. the experts, the, the high level freelancers, the agencies, they're there to bring their own strategy, their own system, their own process to the table. So it depends on where you are as a business owner. If you're someone that's stuck in the day-to-day operations of your business, you're not focusing on the, <laughs> you're not focusing um, on the high-level um, tasks, the sales, the marketing, the expansion. Then you need to hire those basic-level people first. If you, if you're someone that the projects are just building up and there's too much stuff outside your core competency. You need to focus on the mid-level people, the specialists. And if you're someone that's taking on new things, maybe you want to run Facebook ads, but you don't have six months to learn how to be a Facebook ad expert, you need to hire those experts to come in and handle those things at a high level. Mm. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Um, and and how, um, I mean, do you, do you recommend hiring one freelancer for, for like everything you want to outsource or uh, look for experts in every single field? For every single task. Yeah, I mean, there's pros and cons. I personally like to diversify a little bit. I had an issue back in the day where I hired one person to do everything and they quit on me and it was a hassle and it took me six months to replace them. So I never want to make that mistake again. Um, I'll, I'll diversify within reason. Now, it, my I might hire an agency to run my Instagram because I don't want to deal with Instagram at all. I just want someone with a system and a process and their own people. And then for something else like customer service, I might hire four different customer service reps. And if one quits or gets sick, I can just replace them. So, I mean, that that's kind of my mentality. It's kind of that pro and con. I mean, the pro of hiring one person is it's less people to manage. Maybe you get a, a I mean, actually, it probably costs more to hire one person that can do a lot of different things than, than if you split it up. But if you hire a bunch of different people, you have to manage more people, but you're more diverse and more protected. So it's just pros mm-hmm. and cons. And you need to figure out what makes sense for you as a business owner. Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, you you all already mentioned the, the managing part of, of freelancers. And I, and I noticed that, um, that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that, uh, the, the communication and management part of, of freelancers. Um, or Do you have any recommendations or tips on that? 
Yeah, I mean, communication and setting expectations up front is key. I like to spend extra time right from the beginning, really setting expectations on how we communicate. These are the hours that I'm available. This is, we use Skype and we use email and we use Viber. Viber's for emergency. Emails are for being responded to within a business day. Skype is for day-to-day stuff. I, I, I clearly lay out who to go to for what. I, I let them know what's expected of them when they're reading my SOPs and, and asking questions. So for me, it, it's really about setting those expectations from the beginning and then holding people to those expectations. If you say, hey, we use Slack, and then the next day you're, you're messaging them and texting them, and they, that, that's not going to lead to a great relationship. So for me, it's all about setting those expectations, specifically communication. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know uh, like briefing, giving a good briefing for freelancers as well, that's, that's essential because uh, uh, sometimes uh, business owners, they just say like, run with it uh, but then they have no clue and and if there's no good communication there uh yeah things will go wrong so it, in my opinion it starts with a very good briefing and it's, and managing those expectations setting those expectations is a big part of it like how how can they reach you uh what are the exact deadlines uh just i mean there's a big responsibility i think as a, as an uh yeah as, as a business owner as well uh, to to make a good briefing um, so that they yeah they can actually do a good job because otherwise you're going to be disappointed anyway. Exactly, um, and and you really have to not only set the expectations for communication, but what constitutes success, what constitutes mm-hmm. failure. I I hired a fourth bookkeeper after firing three. This was years ago. So what did I do? I I told that bookkeeper, hey, here's what the other three bookkeepers did that I didn't like. Here's what I'm looking for after the role. I I yeah. set them up to be successful. Yeah, and I think that that's crucial. And something that we tend to forget when we hire freelancers is like, okay, they're going to do whatever I have in my head. But as long as it's in my head, uh, they, I mean, they can they, they cannot imagine what I'm thinking. So uh, it's better to get it out on paper or, or record a screencast and show what you what exactly you mean. I, when I work at freelancers, I, I do make a lot of recordings, uh, a lot of screencasts where I show like, okay, first you do this, then you go in there, and then you do that. This is what I want. This is how it should look like, or that kind of stuff. And I find that really helps, and it, it it also reduces the amount of time you have to spend personally on on checking up on the work they did, and and go back and say like, hey, this is not exactly what I meant. I meant it this way. You should have done it that way. So uh, I think it's a big responsibility uh, when you when you hire someone. It should take some time up front to, to make all of that clear. And then uh, everything is going to be a lot smoother down the road, I guess. Exactly. And you got to focus on what you can control. I mean, there's so many things that you can't control from personal issues to human mistakes to someone taking on another client. Like you can't control any of that. What you can control is your systems, your processes, your expectations, your communication. Yeah, right. Um, let's go back a, a bit to uh, your Amazon business. So how, how did you hire and integrate freelancers into your Amazon business? Yeah, so I was running a dropshipping business. So for mm-hmm. those of you not familiar with dropshipping, you are selling products you don't physically have an in inventory. You have relationships with different suppliers and manufacturers, um, and they ship the product to the customer. So there's a lot that goes into it, a, a lot of just intensive things to for, to have quality assurance. We have to make sure every order gets to the manufacturer. This was before a lot of the software that's out there. Um, there's customer service on the back end. There's quality assurance in the middle, following every tracking number, making sure it's delivered, communicating with the manufacturer over inventory and, and price changing and making sure it's updated. So we use virtual assistants for all of that stuff. Um, 
And then we also had more high level stuff. We started to build our own software. So we hired developers. We wanted to build our own website. So we hired people for that and, and had a social media channel. So it, there, there's the day-to-day operations of the business. And then there's all the expansion stuff that goes around it. Mm. And and what are the biggest issues that you see Amazon sellers running into when they're outsourcing? Yeah, good question. I mean, the biggest thing is that there's so many different strategies. There's so many different ways to to run an Amazon business and to do things on Amazon. So you either need to have your own systems and your processes and hire a VA that knows Amazon, but you show them how you want it done. Or you need to hire a specialist that might have gone through a training or worked for an agency or, or learned it themselves, or they might be a seller themselves. And you have to trust them and be comfortable with their way, or obviously the agency and the expert as well. So a lot of times you have to figure out, hey, what is the strategy that I want to use? And are the people that I'm hiring aligned with that strategy? Right. Yeah. And and what about outsourcing customer service? Any recommendations? Because I know that's pretty tough. Yeah, customer service is one of my favorite things to outsource. I mean, I, I have a customer service team that, that covers my Skype, my email, um, 24-7, and even our live chat. And for me, it's all about coming up with canned responses. Hey, here are the most common situations we have. Here's how we respond to them. Here's how you add fluff and customize it. And there, here's a starting point. And then from there, you add different layers. Hey, here's a new situation. Hey, write a draft. Let me proof it. Um, hey, here's here's how we can improve this. It's kind of one of those ever-evolving things. Even with my customer service reps that I put a lot of effort into onboarding and making sure they know what we're doing, we're constantly trying to get better. We're constantly trying to improve. Yeah, cool. And and th- that that's a good thing. I, I think uh, just those kind of responses and trying to make it, make it better all the time. Uh, I, I think that can definitely help. I, I know it's a, it's a tough one to, to outsource customer service, but at the end of the day, there's often a lot of same scenarios that come back and uh, yeah. So you can kind of prepare and make templates for that and, and build on that. Um, maybe a little bit about your entrepreneurial story. Um, what kind of challenges, what were the biggest challenges that you've run into as a, as an entrepreneur and how, how did you overcome them? <laughs> Great question. I, I, I mentioned that one day that, that my, <laughs> I hired someone for six months and I taught them how to do everything and they quit on me on my first part of my vacation. But I had done a, a very similar thing where I had I had one supplier who I had worked with and I, they were doing about 85% of our business. And, and I said, you know what? I don't care about that 15%. Let's make it, let's just do 100% of our business with them. And and actually on that same vacation, that I got a call from the manufacturer and they dropped me. So I went from Ooh. this unbelievable high to, I have my business on autopilot. I put all this work in on this 21 year old crushing it to now I, this person quit on me and I have no supplier and I have to start over again. So I had to come back and I had to do a lot of the work myself, contacting more suppliers and building a lot of different relationships. And I learned a valuable lesson about diversifying and I hired different people to do different things and made sure that if someone quit, we were protected. So um, for me, that that was probably one of the most devastating and, and big, biggest, learning, biggest learning experiences as an entrepreneur. But I'm so happy that that happened in year one and two and, and not down the line. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it's good because at the moment it, it sucks big time, but it, at, in the end you learn a lot from from that kind of situations, and and you only grow as an entrepreneur. Um, you have a business partner, right? I do. Yeah. How 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 did, did you meet? How I mean, how is it working with a business partner? Would you recommend it? 
Yeah, he was actually one of my best hires um, early on in the company. Uh, We're lucky. I mean, we have the same values. We have the same goals and beliefs. I mean, we believe in treating people well and customer service and and all that, but we have very different skill sets. I mean, I'm much more on the sales and the marketing and the face, and he's much more on the back and the content and the web development. So we complement each other very well. We've had our our ups and downs, but we know what it's like to work with each other. And honestly, Finding that right business partner is key. I've heard so many horror stories where mm-hmm. it, it just doesn't work out. So pick your business partners carefully. Make sure that you can not only handle working with them when times are good, but also when times are bad as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's, that's important. And you have to have uh, total trust in each other uh, to make it work, of course. Um, uh, by the way, I heard a quote uh, recently that was like about hiring. And it was like, okay, if you... It, do you see the the person that you're about to hire as a potential founding business partner? Uh, if not, don't hire them. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good tip or not, but uh, I find an interesting way to look at it to hire only the best. Like if you only see them as a potential business partner, then you should hire them. Um, yeah, I mean, the A players is what you need to grow your business. Yeah. And I mean, the, the D and the C players are somewhat easy. You can let them go, but the B players kill you because they're not bad enough to get rid of, but they're not good enough to take you to the next level. So um, for for me, I, I'm always focused on, hey, is this person an A player? Yeah, absolutely. That's not easy to to spot. Sometimes it's, it, it, the difference between an A and a, and a, and a B is not always clear. Uh, how How do you make that difference? Yeah, it's really that skill, that attitude, and that communication that we talked yeah, about before. Exactly. I mean, that, yeah. that, that, that's where, what it all comes down to. You can't settle for two out of the three or two and a half out of the three. You got to get that full package. Right. Yeah. It's either a hell yeah or a no. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. If you, if you could offer advice to starting entrepreneurs, um, what would you say? Make sure it's for you. I mean, being an entrepreneur is not for everyone. There, there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. You have to learn a lot. You're constantly adjusting and, and problem solving and, and make sure you're in it for the long haul. If you're in it to make a quick buck, you're you're probably gonna, going to struggle and, and maybe being an entrepreneur is not for you. Yeah, absolutely. It is not for everyone, I'm sure. Um, so, and, and what would you say is your proudest moment as an entrepreneur? My proudest moment. I mean, we paid out $7 million to freelancers last year around the world. I mean, that's something that, cool. that I'm really proud about, proud of. And um, just meeting with freelancers and having them show me pictures of their houses and their cars and, and things that they were able to do with that money. To, to me, that made me proud. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, Nathan, this has uh, been really great. And we could probably go on for a, for a few more hours, but uh, we're running out of time. I just want to make sure people uh, know how they can find you and learn more about you. Uh, what's the best place for people to connect with you? Yeah, go to freeup.com um, with three E's. It, my calendar's right at the top. You can book a free call with me. Um, you can also join our Facebook group, Outsourcing Masters, and create, create a free account to try us out. Mention this podcast, get a $25 credit. Cool. Thanks so much, so much for being here, Nathan. Uh, it's been really great. And uh, yeah, thanks for the discount, by the way. No problem. Have a good rest of the day. The E-Commerce Excellence Podcast is sponsored by Dexter.agency. We help e-commerce business owners scientifically increase revenue without needing more traffic. Ready to discover a more reliable way to increase conversion and, more importantly, revenue? Register for our free training, The 5 Transformations That Double E-Commerce Profits, at dexter.agency webinar.